0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Byte Marks. And on today's special episode, we have a very special guest. Allow me to introduce you to Kitbosh. Say hello, Kitbosh.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, it's nice to be
0: here today. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with some of our earlier work, um, I am a wargamer. I'm very interested in war games. And Kitbosh here is a very good YouTube channel. You should definitely check out his work. Um, why don't you tell the, the viewers at home about your channel and what, what it is that you do? Uh,
1: okay, well, I work with um, Warhammer and Warhammer 40K uh, miniatures, uh, personalizing them. It's generally referred to as kit bashing or conversions. Kit bashing, because you take two different kits and you combine them. To get something that's um different than the original. So a simple version would be just swapping out a helmet for another one you like. I tend to do uh much more uh, much more ambitious projects than maybe I have the ability to achieve all the time. So uh I like making extremely large space
0: orcs um and
1: kit kit bashing and conversion <laughs> is really about
0: trying to uh, make something new. I have to say, um you have some of the best Xbox huge orcs I think I've seen. Basically ever, you know, um, you guys at home really have to look at them. If you've if you've seen orcs in Warhammer 40k, you've generally seen that they can be big. I think uh, Gazcool is probably the biggest orc model that is currently available. Uh, Kitbosh over here will take uh, some of the biggest models that he can find and bolt on armor and uh, muscle, and it's it, it's really interesting. Uh, my only lament is that you can never get a quite big enough head
1: you know that is a constant source of problems for me i've I've looked at different options. Someone uh, just now suggested uh, making silicon molds and expanding them, which maybe I'll try, but yeah, they always have very small heads. Nobody makes um appropriately huge orchids
0: it's it's you know it's a shame because the models that you do make are really you know i I hate to say this, but they're actually pretty gorgeous to look at. And um you know for viewers at home, uh, I will be in the minority of this opinion, but I actually prefer them unpainted. I feel like you can you can see the care and craft that went into making them when they're unpainted. Whereas when they are painted, even though they quote unquote might look better, um, I feel as if it hides a lot of the, the hard work that g- goes into making them. And I'm not much of a painter myself, so maybe that's why I quite like it.
1: Yeah, uh, you are very much in the minority, though I appreciate it. Um, I think every other comment on my channel is asking me to... <laughs> I understand why, because it's such a... Everyone who has an army or model has painted them, um, but it's such an investment in time that I don't... And- it's not the part of the model I really enjoy.
0: You know, for me, uh, I'm, I am I play war games, I get into this hobby for two things. The first reason is to play the game. Uh, I very much like playing, uh, war games. I like the experience, like the stories that it can tell. Uh, and the second reason is to collect the miniatures, but I can play the game without having miniatures and I can collect miniatures without playing the game. But painting for me is an entirely separate skill and one that I've never really been good at. So I actually, you know, there are other war game channels. I think Pete, the war gamer is one, uh, where they do do very good, uh, paint, paint jobs on their miniatures, but I feel as if there's something very just creative about the art of kit bashing. And to focus specifically on kit bashing as a whole, I think is a niche. And maybe that explains why your channel has really been blowing up in popularity um, these past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I had, um, it, it's interesting. The YouTube algorithm really latched onto it and uh, kind of catapulted it, which I'm, I'm very grateful about. Mm. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes, uh, because the really popular Warhammer channels are either lore channels or painting channels. <laughs> But or I like, uh, I like the response I've been getting so
0: far. Or battle report channels, you know. Um, I, I do watch a lot of those. I think I watch those and not lore channels uh, for reasons that will become a little bit more obvious when we continue with the podcast. <laughs> um, but let let me tell the, the the viewers at home why we why I decided to bring you on. So I my my distaste of a lot of Warhammer um, is I think fairly well known. But you made a video recently that I thought was really interesting um, and, judging by the comment section, even more interesting. And that is, you committed the cardinal sin of Warhammer 40k. You tried to make female space marines. Why don't you, why don't you tell the user, viewers about that?
1: Yeah, that's the ultimate heresy um, in the universe and out, apparently. I am, um, you know, I uh, think that female space marines are kind of, the iconic most illustrative um topic for the reactionary part of the warhammer fan base i really just wanted to create something cool and i think it's i think it's a missed opportunity that there aren't female space marines so i thought it would be interesting to try to marry the design language of uh space marines which are large and hulking to like a little bit more of a feminine silhouette mm. because I, I understand i uh, um i um a lot of people just add male he- or female heads to male space brains mm-hmm. and I think that's an entirely valid way of going about it and probably even how they would look in the lore it's not very noticeable outside the armor but tabletop gaming is really a visual medium yeah. so I thought it would be interesting to try to do that and then the comment section exploded
0: <laughs> if I recall correctly you said it was your most disliked video on the channel By by several orders of magnitude <laughs> uh, most of
1: my videos hang out at like 97 to 98% likes to dislikes and that one is, I think is at like 84 to 87.
0: I uh I made a video uh criticizing Arch Warhammer uh and that video was brigaded um by his fans and I think it is my most disliked video. It will probably be my most disliked video ever because uh people would just come in uh say some terrible things, and dislike the video and then leave. But uh you know, jokes on them. Uh the YouTube algorithm is indifferent to um <laughs> dislike, like, huh? <laughs> yeah, it actually probably drives engagement, yeah. you know, in a way. Um, so, I, I really want to... In... Oh, yeah,
1: uh... Also, what's interesting about it is it's it's a particular issue for people. So, for example, I did another video where I did Tau space marines, <laughs> uh, which are, uh, for people who don't know, they're a Xeno faction, they're an alien faction who would never have space marines. Like, that makes no sense. Yeah. And yeah. I saw some concept art for it, and I thought it was cool. And a lot of people in the comments were like, Oh, this is really cool. But it didn't hit them in the same like you're infringing on their lore and, and culture in the same way that female space marines do. Uh,
0: for a little bit of reference of yours, Tao, the Tao faction believe in an ideology called the greater good. And for that reason, they are almost always uh, referred to as communists, even though that's not really what their ideology is actually about. But it is quite telling you know, that a group of people who are dedicated to technology and very against the kind of things that space marines you know, stand for, uh, honorable before reason, uh, you know, violence before diplomacy, that they would be more accepting of that than they would of, you know, a female space marine. And uh, to get into it, uh, I thought we would first establish our credentials by uh, talking a little bit about lore. Um, so for those of you who are unaware, the space marines were created by the emperor of man. In a dark and tumultuous period of history called um, the, uh, the Unification Wars, <clears throat> the earth had uh, fallen into depravity, into a kind of apocalyptic wasteland, and the emperor was trying to get everyone to stop fighting. And so naturally, he thought the best idea was to make super soldiers so that he could uh, murder everyone who wouldn't you know, bend the knee. And he created these creatures, these beings called Thunder Warriors, who are in the lore as we know them, stronger and better killers than the Space Marines. But the cost of this is that they are a lot more unstable and a lot more uh, prone to you know, various problems. And uh, in a classic uh, storytelling arc, at the end of the Unification Wars, he kills all of them and uh, wipes the state clean for the Space Marines as we know them. Uh, Space Marines are created uh, by a process of gene seed implantation. Basically, they take an adolescent boy, sometimes I think they're actually very young, and they uh, psychologically indoctrinate them, and then they put an organ into them that makes them grow big and uh, strong. And they can sometimes take on unique traits uh, relative to the organ. Like For example, uh, if they get injected with a salamander organ salamanders being a kind of space marine uh their skin will will turn like jet black or if they um get injected with a a a blood angels uh gene seed they will kind of become anime space vampires (laughs) um (laughs) so the the problem of course as it has been expounded upon in you know probably the comments under this video (laughs) is that um You can't make a female space marine because the gene seed implant, the way that it works is it was only ever coded to work uh, with, uh, you know, males. Uh, If if you put a gene seed into a woman, instead of turning them into a space marine, it would probably kill them. Uh, Now to that, I have a a counter argument that I think is actually fairly compelling. And if you'll permit me, uh, I'll get into it. So so tell me, um, do you know who Fabius Bile is?
1: Yeah, he is a chaos space marine who does a a lot of um, flesh-mongering genetic experiments.
0: You know, in a way, he kind of uh, does what you do. (laughs) He uh, kitbashes humans.
1: That's very true, but in a a little bit more of a grimdark way.
0: Yeah, uh, you don't have a cloak of skin, do you? You
1: know, um, I wouldn't have come on this podcast if I knew I was going to get questions like this.
0: <laughs> you, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't ask people personal questions like that. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not a part of the Uh, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> uh Yes, so Fabius Bile is a really interesting character, I think, because uh, he's kind of a Doctor Frankenstein of For D K, he was a medical uh, figure, uh, an apothecary in a uh, space marine uh, legion called the Emperor's Children. But when the rest of the legion fell to uh, chaos, uh, he didn't quite do that. Yes, he rejects the Emperor, but he doesn't do so on a blind devotion to chaos, but rather a desire to quote unquote make humanity greater than what it is now. Uh, And so Fabius spends a lot of his time doing engineering and kit bashing to perfect humanity. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things that he does is he produces superhumans, right? Uh, Many of Fabius' experiments produce beings that are human but plus. Uh, A great example of this are his gland hounds. So what what I find interesting about the gland hound is that they are superhumans. They are uh, essentially um, less potent versions of space marines in a way. They are strong and reasonably fast and pretty good warriors, uh, but they are made, get this, by using Astardis' gene seed, and and it works on males and females. So gland hounds can be both. They can be anyone. Um, and what I what I think this proves is that you know Fabius, working on his own with whatever limited resources that he has, could find a way to use Astartes gene seed in a way that could be applied you know to anyone. Uh, in a way that I'm pretty sure <laughs> uh, the Imperium could do um, if it you know had had the gumption you know to do that. Um, does, does that surprise you, interesting do you think?
1: Because, uh, it's interesting, because I looked into the lore um, a little bit before this, and so technically speaking, the female space marines are possible. Uh, they happen in the lore, but the idea is that they're much more difficult to get working than male space marines, mm-hmm. so the emperor just kind of put them by the wayside. So they're entirely possible. There's no real reason that that issue of stability couldn't be fixed
0: yeah because you know uh, we we know that the emperor discarded discarded his uh, thunder warriors for uh you know uh, firstborn space marines because even though the space marines were weaker and you know not as good fighters they were more uh susceptible to what the emperor needed them to be and that really uh brings me to something that i think i i wanted to take your uh pick your brain on and that is i think space marines exist in the way that they do, not because of any biological reasons, right? Because every time someone starts talking to me about the science of, you know, chromosomes and stuff like that, it's very obvious that they don't know what they're talking about. They never know what they're talking about uh, as to who is, quote-unquote, a bio-female and a bio-male. I think space marines exist for ideological reasons. You see, what is a space marine? It is, uh, it is primarily a vulnerable young boy <laughs> who is taken from, you know, his family is, uh, or in, in some cases they live in abject, you know, terrible living conditions in one of the Imperium's many hives. And they get psychologically indoctrinated to believe in the particular vision that the emperor required them to in a world of ultraviolence. And they get turned into controllable killing machines. And in the process of doing that, they become something more than human, but also something less than human, right? You know, it, it's worth noting that many of the space marines that exist are, I think, aware of the fact that they are defending a version of humanity that they themselves can't actually be a party to, you know? Um, do, you, do you think I'm off the mark there?
1: No, I think you're entirely correct. I think um, the space marines are interesting in that they're the kind of hyper-soldierized masculinity. <laughs> um, Though it's not something the novels really talk about too much, but it's that that brotherhood that gets kind of like a cult, um, and I don't think female space marines would necessarily break that up, but I think
0: it's definitely an aspect of their character. I, 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 I totally. You know, I, I never thought about it in that way that the, the space marines are you know this ideological machine, but it, it makes perfect sense. You know, because. Um, if the goal is to simply have the best warriors that you can have, right, um, then we would expect space marines to be, you know, a lot stronger than they actually are. Uh, It's only recently that space marines have been given multiple wounds as standard, you know, um, uh, in in, in the lore. Previously, they used to be very, very similar to the baseline humans that they are supposedly better than, you know, having one wound and, you know, so on and so forth. So I've always found it, you know, odd that, you, you will tell someone, hey, you know, you could still have, you know, a, a female space marine and you wouldn't really have to give up a lot of what you'd expect, you know, because uh, we can imagine that the process that makes the female space marine uh, is the same as the process that makes the male one. Uh, you know, they're still indoctrinated. They're still, you know, transhuman in a way that makes them less than human. Um, the only difference is that uh, maybe one of them speaks with a very deep, but, you know, very, uh, uh, you know. Uh, feminine voice instead of, you know, a masculine voice. I, I I don't really see how fundamentally that changes everything. You
1: know, I, I think that's very true. There's, I think a few, few things. First, people don't really understand how mutable gender is and that it's not hmm. as um, intractable in general. Biologically speaking, it's not all uh, fetuses are female at some point for example yeah um and it's not as ingrained as people really like to think it is this is something that's come up a lot with um trans issues Mm -hmm. in the last 10 years is just people understanding that it's not it's not as intractable um and also warhammer is not a scientifically rigorous (laughs) setting (laughs) everything in it is just and it's not even like it has a magic system that is somewhat internally consistent like the warp it's like whenever they want it they find a dark age of humanity archaeotech that can just do whatever it wants oh yeah yeah to say that like (laughs) this is not biologically possible it's just it's it's clearly a decision on the part of the creators and I, i don't know if you want to transition to this yet but creators create. It's not the other way around. You, as an author, are the one who makes the rules. And you can just change it, especially in a a setting as mutable as Warhammer.
0: Yeah, I I was just going to bring up, I I was reading uh, one of the Mechanicus books and in it, there's a, a, a technological marvel called the Speranza, and it's described as being capable of doing things that violate the laws of reality. So, yeah, clearly, 40k is not a setting that actually is as internally consistent as it actually appears. And, you know, that is a very good segue. Um, Are are you familiar with something called the uh, Thermian argument?
1: I don't believe so.
0: So the the Thermian argument is um, basically uh, something happens in the lore the way that it happens because someone wrote it to happen that way, right? Uh, So whenever you or I make the claim, hey, maybe we could have female space marines, and someone says... But the lore, you know, the Emperor foretold in his stone obelisk that there, that Space Marines would be a dude-only club. You know, he, he they're making an appeal to lore, but they're forgetting, of course, as you rightly said, people wrote the lore. You know, we didn't get Warhammer 40k delivered to us on high from, you know, the God Emperor himself. Some nerds in a, you know, in a room had to write all of this stuff. And presumably, I don't think they realized just, you know, what what consequences they would have by coming up with this interesting setting. Cause um it people treat it as if it's immutable but you know i want to give a, a good example of where i think that's actually you know uh terrible thinking and that is of course age of sigmar uh, are are you are you familiar with age of sigmar yeah i'm a, i'm not
1: as familiar with it as i am with warhammer mm-hmm. and the old uh fantasy universe but i'm i'm relatively f- familiar with the the basics
0: so for those of you who are again un- unfamiliar, uh, Age of Sigmar is a reboot of the traditional Warhammer fantasy setting, and uh, the idea is kind of to take out all of the kitchen sink of tropes, to uh, basically throw out Tolkien and embrace something new. Uh, many of the, the the settings, factions are very different. You know, uh, for example, you've got a race called the uh, Ideneth Deepkin. What are they? Well, they are elves who live at the bottom of the ocean. They uh, are soulless. Because of how they were created, and so they constantly need to feed on souls. They have a, a society which is structured based on how much of a soul you have, which is a very unusual thing. And visually, uh, you know, they have amazing models because they have units that ride sharks into battle on a like a magical sea that pervades the environment. <laughs> it, it really is something to look at. You know, uh, to go from fairly grounded, fairly, you know, realistic units that wouldn't really be out of place in, in, you know, a Lord of the Rings to, okay, we're elves, we're going to ride giant sharks into battle, and it's going to be awesome, you know?
1: Yeah, certainly. And I I think uh, Age of Sigmar has really opened up the possibilities for the uh, tabletop the models that Games Workshop is able to put out, I mean, uh, not only do I, I love the Deepkin and their aesthetic language, but also the Night Nighthaunts. Those are some fantastic Ooh. models, the way the static figures look like they're in movement.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it, it it goes to show you what, uh, what you can do when you disregard, you know, design language that has become kind of uh, dogmatic, you know, <laughs> where you decide we're going to do something different and then you actually do it. Um, I, uh, I brought up the, um, the the age of Sigmar because they have a, a faction which is some sometimes rightfully, sometimes wrongfully called uh, the Sigmarines, right? The uh, Stormcast Eternals. Now, if you've ever never seen a Stormcast Eternal, they look very similar to a Space Marine. Um, they're big, bulky people in fantasy power armor with you know uh, crossbows that kind of look like bolters and big weapons that kind of glow, and they really have a Space Marine aesthetic to them. But they go a lot beyond that, because not only can anyone basically be a Stormcast Eternal, but many of the Stormcast Eternals are women. They, they are just made that way. The process that makes them is capable of working on anyone. Uh, and so it's not so much you know, what you are, it's what you really want to become. Um, and, and so I, I feel as if the, the fact that we can do this, that Games Warcraft can actually change you know, lore in, in, in such a meaningful way, Kind of means that they don't want to, and so here's where I wanted to also pick your brain. Why, did, why is it? Do you think that Games Workshop has been hesitant, you know, to do something to make, you know, let's let, let, let's lay our cards on the table here to make Warhammer 40k more inclusive? Because, you know, firstly, do you think Warhammer has a kind of way, a, a kind of feeling, or maybe a kind of vibe that pushes people away from it? You know, people that might be, you know, women people that might be, uh, you know, people of color, you know, something like that. And Ben, do you think, why do you think they do that? So
1: I think there's a couple aspects of that. I think definitely the reactionary portion and the sort of pseudo-fascist, well, not pseudo-fascist, but the fascist setting <laughs> do push people away sometimes. And I think people, I think straight white males and people with privilege often don't take into account how important representation is in how you're attracted to a work because they are constantly represented. Mm. I know for myself as someone who is Hispanic, I, I anytime a Hispanic character comes on TV, I, you know, I light up a little bit, mm. especially when I was younger and, um, I have female friends and, you know, I'll show them the different models I'm making and they're always impressed. I mean, not to puff myself up, <laughs> but they're you, you deserve a little bit. You, you do make some good models. <laughs> well, thank you. But, um, you know, they're always especially interested when there's a female model I'm making. And that kind of just makes sense. They like to see themselves represented. And so I think it is something where it would open up the hobby more if there was more inclusion of hmm. of female models. I, and I think it would be a good business decision in the long term. But often big companies like Games Workshop, like you said, they're... They're sort of focused on short-term profit. They don't really think long-term like that. Mm. And I think there's, I think it comes down to three big things for them. I think on the one hand, scared of their fan base. I mean, the primary Marines, <laughs> which are basically just Marines, uh, for those who don't know, they're Space Marines who basically got updated with some new armor, um, and that was a massive. Deal in the Warhammer community that a lot of people didn't like, even though they're, they're just space marines but a little newer looking.
0: Yeah, they they look more like space marines are supposed to look like in a way, right? Because they that's actually. That's what's
1: amazing about them is that they're essentially just true scale space yeah. marines, um, which is a term that means originally the space marine models, the proportions don't make sense. They're the same height as normal humans on the tabletop. They're actually kind of skinny. The, they're, I think somebody referred to them once as chibi marines, because their <laughs> proportions are kind of like cutesy almost, and their pelvis essentially just doesn't function if you look oh, at yeah. it. Yeah. One of the, it's one of the problems with using them for conversions is they just don't they don't look correct. So they're basically just an upgrade to make the marines look better. Yeah. A lot of people have problems with them. And um, so I think there's an extent to which Games Workshop does not want to have to deal with the backlash that they know would come from it. Hmm. And I think also it's something where they're they're a company who is largely old white guys. And Mm. so they don't necessarily see, don't look at the world in a way where they're like, okay, we need to make it more expansive for people as a whole. And, you know, their viewpoint is still very much tied up in, we're just going to make things that we think are kind of cool, but we're not necessarily going to try to look deeper than that. That's kind of my view on it, is that they're just, it's sort of calcified
0: at the time. Uh, to, 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 to go on some of that, so some of your points, I think uh, one of the problems with Games Workshop and the way that the fan base reacts to the lore is there has been a symbiotic but negative relationship where, uh, you know, Games Workshop has kind of for years tried a strategy uh, of appealing to the same number of people. But getting them to double down on their spending right um why do they continuously Very release books so. why do they continuously you know do this and do that why do they pander to space marines well the answer is because in the short term those are the fans with all the money and those are the fans who spend the money uh and obviously that's unsustainable because uh right now it feels like horus heresy you know to electric boogaloo because uh basically every person that i know that has an army plays space marines so if I want to, you know, come and bring, you know, an orc army or a Tau army or anything that isn't the meta, I will have to either play really, really well, or I will get trounced to someone that has, you know, a three moon terminators <laughs> with a two plus armor save and, uh, you know, maybe a three plus uh, uh, invul save. And I, I feel as if, you know, it's a short term strategy because that's kind of what makes money a long-term strategy of trying to uh, build the fan base into something else to build a fan base into something that appeals to many many more people will take a lot of time and money and it's kind of uncertain you know as you said if games you know here's here's my here's my pitch uh, I think that what they could have done when they released the primaris Marines is they could have just come out and said oh some of the oh you know what these primaris Marines yeah some of them are women uh they were originally designed that way because Belisarius crawl doesn't like being limited by you know, these pathetic uh, backwards thinking. He wants to think of the future, man. You know, he wants to think of what can I do better than, you know, what was done before. And, you know, the answer is double the potential gene pool, you double the potential recruiting pool for, uh, you know, for a Maris Marine. And I think that could have been the way to be updating everything, you know, in a goal. Yeah, sure, maybe most of the Marines are, you know, uh, male, but uh, maybe some of them, and maybe they could release a couple of models that yeah, that's just a woman in power armor and she looks no different really you know, because here's the thing. I, I think you should walk uh, our viewers a little bit through the actual design that you made, because I feel it would ground some of their understanding. So, how did you how did you set about designing a female space marine? Well, um, so first,
1: I uh, I entirely agree. I think that's when female marines should have been introduced is with the primaries. It's very it makes sense in terms of the lore and terms of there's already going to be new marines. Yeah. Um, in terms of the model itself, the way I did it is that. So a lot of people if they want female space marines, they just add female heads to existing marines. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an entirely valid way of doing it. I don't think that there needs to be a lot of sexual dimorphism in terms of the actual model. I think, you know, realistically speaking, female Marines would look basically like male Marines, but with female heads. Yeah, pretty much. You know top gaming is a visual medium mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something that looked both female, but also had the design language of kind of the big hulking space marines. Mm. Um, so what I did is I took some Stormcast legs, some Stormcast ah, female yeah, legs. Of course. And basically, yeah, because those are a good, Stormcast in general can be ported over to being uh, marines very easily. And I tried to find, I used uh, Space Marine Scout torsos mm. um, because they have a little bit of a smaller waist and a deep chest. Mm. I put those on top of them, and that worked really well. And normal Space Marine limbs could go onto those quite well. Um, and I, I like what I came up with. I do think they're pretty cool. I would have liked to try and... It's a, a piece of concept art I use at the beginning, of, which I think is an ideal female Space Marine, which is that she's very like angular and large, but there's a kind of speed and weight to her design. And I've actually been experimenting more with trying to get something closer to that in the in the future um and i I think it's it's difficult it's obviously a challenge because there just aren't just finding good female heads in games workshops lineup is (laughs) actually really difficult
0: oh yeah you you know for all the talk because every time we every time people like you and i every time we come out and make these kinds of statements maybe the game should be more inclusive you know maybe we can still keep the grim darkness uh, you know, uh, without having to be this crazy. You know, because I, I should note that very few factions in the game are exclusive in the way that you know the Imperium is. Um, the Eldar were once a galaxy-spanning empire, but they have male and female models represented more or less, you know, to a large degree. Uh, any Eldar under you know their armor could be male or female. You just have no way of knowing, and yet there are still a substantial number of important female characters in the lore. Um, but when, you know, when it comes to the Imperium, and you know, maybe this is your your complaint as a whole because they have problems with heads. You you can never find a big enough orc head. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's uh,
1: it, that's very true. They have an upgrade sprue for female Stormcasts, which I you know I applaud. But a they're expensive, and b they don't actually look that good. Third, yeah, exactly. Good third party. Um, a few good third party heads. There's one from a company called Statuesque Miniatures, but theirs mm-hmm. tend to look kind of young. There's mm-hmm. um, a person on Shapeways who has some 3D models that I'm ordering that hopefully look pretty good and a little bit more stern and space marine uh, uh we'll, we'll see how that turns hmm. out.
0: I, I think it's also perhaps important here to talk a little bit about the sisters of battle. Because I think invariably what what's going to happen is even if we do successfully make a case that, oh, the Primaris Marine should have been integrated, you know. Belisarius call is uh not one to be held back by the I you know, he's not gonna be outdone by Fabius Bile, <laughs> of all people. Um, then everyone would, you know, raise a fuss and go, Well, what about the Sisters of Battle? You know, you know, well, here, here are my thoughts, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Um, I think the Sisters of Battle actually are a weird missed opportunity. They only exist in the lore because of a loophole. Um, you know, the Imperial Church, the ecclesiarchy, uh, is not allowed to have men under arms now they did the most rules lawyery way uh interpretation possible and just meant men only and so they get around this limitation um because they were involved in you know numerous uh infighting in civil war by just saying oh we don't have men under arms we have women under arms right and they create the sisters of battle so the sisters have you know they wear power armor granted it is very uh it is very well shaped <laughs> shall i say um but the thing about them has always been that they aren't space marines. They are not, you know, augmented. They're not really super duper, you know, killers. And as time has gone on, they've only become, you know, a lot more differentiated from space marines. But the thing that really separates them is piety. So I think uh, in a world where there are, you know, uh, in male or female space marines, I think you could have had male or female sisters of battle. You know, the the thing that makes them important is their piety, their their blind devotion to the emperor as a god, which I should mention many space greens do not think that the emperor was a god. They just worship him or venerate him as like a really, really good human. Many of them reject the idea of, you know, the imperial godhood. Uh, what do you think about that? I
1: think there's a couple. So not the... this isn't what you're saying, but often I see an argument for when we're making when topic of female space marines comes up as people are like well we already have the sisters of battle we don't need them and we don't need male sisters of battle and i think there's two things to talk about there the first is that as you were saying in the lineup female sisters of battle aren't just an all-female army they're almost the only female army they're mm-hmm. almost one of the few armies that actually has female years at all so for for example, the Imperial Guard in the lore has a lot of women in it, but none of the models. Do. Yeah. So there's an issue of representation there. I think where it's important to that it's um. What's that? It's important, I think that they are that there are female models there. The thing with the female sisters of battle is that, like the Xeno factions, they're not they're not given the same amount of attention. Mm-hmm. As space marines. Mm. They're just not. Space no Marines one is, to be honest. Armies. Yeah, and that's why sometimes people are like, well, they should just strengthen the f- the f- Sisters of Battle instead of giving us male space marines. It's not going to happen. It, yeah. it just <laughs> isn't. There's multiples. There's there's a space wolf uh, army armies, there's blood angel armies, there's grey knight armies. There I have one version of the
0: Sisters of Battle. Yeah, I have uh, uh rather sexualized. I have Dark Angels. Uh I, I really like the green. I'm a big fan of green. Uh but yeah, you know, I think the reason why the Sisters of Battle exist as they do is because of very particular, very niche reasons. If, hypothetically, these Space Marines had always been integrated from the start, then the Sisters of Battle as we know them would never exist. There would never have been a reason to make a army specifically built in the way that the sisters are. If the setting was integrated from the beginning, right? That is something that we have to. Yeah, they're re- very recognize.
1: specifically, very specifically not. They're very specifically female space marines, but not space marines. Yeah, exactly. In terms of their design,
0: language. they they were designed not from the beginning because uh, you know they were sort of. Uh, included not from the very very beginning, but you know fairly early on. And I think maybe I don't know. I, I hate to throw this you know this idea out there, but maybe there is a little bit of gender essentialism. You know, maybe the idea is that only men can really be these cold, efficient, ruthless uh, killing machines. By the way, that's not true. Look at the Horus Heresy. Everyone is emotional <laughs> in the Horus Heresy. <laughs> the uh, and the sisters of battle are portrayed as being terribly. <laughs> Um, uh, it is, oh yeah, it's funny.
1: I had not thought of that, but that is very true in that the space Marines are very stoic, and the sisters of Battle are very extra and dramatic, and yeah. that is a certain amount, yeah, you know, of whenever essentialism, yeah, whenever you um
0: whenever you read about descriptions of them fighting, it's always the space Marines advanced coolly, executing their targets with pinpoint balls accuracy. and then, the Sisters of Battle, like they raged and howled and charged at the enemy in like a violent fury. It's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. That, that is actually very funny. <laughs> I think more than that, there's
1: um there's one interpretation of women soldiers in that setting, which is the Sisters of Battle. Whereas it's the classic thing where men get a wide variety of representation and women get one representation. Yeah. And even if that one representation Can't be problematic in if there were a lot of options. It's problematic because that's the only one. Yeah. um, I'm actually currently working on a kit bash where I take Sisters of Battle and I try to, you know, do kind of what they, Hmm. what what are done with different Space Marine chapters where they, oh, yeah, that would be cool. Looks and different. And stuff, and uh, trying to do a little bit less boob plate because I kind oh, of yeah. hate boob plate.
0: <laughs> it. Um, it makes no sense from a from a military perspective because if you're forging plate armor, you don't want there to be these uh, places where you know something could deflect into or deflect up from. Uh, <laughs> you know, because they don't wear. If helmets. you just look at,
1: <laughs> oh, it's very true, and also it's just if you look at historically armor, that's not a thing. It just yeah, is um, not a thing in history, so it's... And I understand that, you know, there's a certain amount of um, fantasy in... Mm-hmm. Well, actually, this is an interesting point, I think, with the Sisters of Battle, which is that, obviously, there is a certain amount of fantasy that goes into how these miniatures are, are built and what the art portrays, but the problem with the Sisters of Battle is that they're a male fantasy of how yeah. fighting nuns would look cool. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. not a female fantasy. <laughs> like one of my friends she very much likes the design of like armor with a gown kind of the the skirt oh, yeah. and and the armor with it but in not in the way that they look where they're kind of like BDSM nuns a hmm. little bit and um i think that's something people miss a lot is that all of the warhammer miniatures are designed with a very male gaze
0: yeah it's you know it, it it's just like for example how out of all of the 20 original you know uh, space marine legions only one of them is explicitly coded in a non-European way, and that's you know Khan and the White Scars. Actually, they're, they're one of the armies that I really wanted to start. Uh, but Space Marine bikes are incredibly expensive, uh, and I really like them. Right, they are very interesting. I very much uh, find them appealing. You know, they've got toolbars and really interesting you know uniforms. Khan's, uh model. Uh, in the art is one of the most interesting suits of power armor I've seen because it incorporates silk and fine cloth and all of these other things. I'd love to see an actual recreation of it. But out of the 20, that's there's only one. So if you're a, if you're a person who looks at this and goes, okay, well, throughout the entire breadth of human experience, you know, the vast majority of the space marines are all European coded. You know, you, you you range from like the blonde-haired Ubermensch of like uh, Robote Gilliman. And Sanguinous, to the more, you know, conventionally broody like Conrad Kurz and, um, you know, uh, or the Nordic Space Wolves. Yeah, or the or the Nordic Space Wolves. You know, even 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 uh, Vulcan, right? Vulcan is not like I, I can't believe we have to say this, but Vulcan is not a black person. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's just a he's just yeah, a person well, that's what's... who has very dark skin.
1: That's hilarious, as everyone thought there was. Everyone thought there was a a black Space Marine Legion, and then in the lore they were like, no, 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 we're taking that away.
0: Yeah, yeah. the, the if you <laughs> initially everyone thought dark skin meant African. Yeah, if you look at Vulcan, you, if you look at the Salamanders, they are very much definitely like Greek in a way. Uh, Vulcan is not, you know, an African person. He's like Hephaestus. <laughs> He's just mm-hmm. a Greek person. The 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 fact that their skin is devoid of uh of melanin. Or does it have too much? I can never remember which one is which. Is is a, a stylistic choice that is meant to make them look monstrous, right? They have jet black skin and dark red eyes. They're not human in 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 a way. They're not like. Uh, they're inhuman. Yeah, they're inhuman. They're not like uh, a good example are the Celestial Lions. The Celestial Lions are an African um, space marine chapter. They have uh, iconography that is distinctly African. They have leadership and culture and symbology that reflects oh we we come from like a savannah you know our people have a interesting tribal structure we have our own honor dances we have our own uh you know uh, symbols and meaning and we have our own leaders and they have names that are you know african sounding and what happens to them they get butchered to a man by the inquisition
1: (laughs) you know it's funny you should mention mention them because just last night I was reading up on their lore because I was thinking about trying to convert some hmm. with like, you know, a, a little bit of African motifs. Um, And yeah, they get um, They get brutalized. Put it nicely, they get shit on by all of the... <laughs> yeah, they're really bad. And I think also, something to bear in mind is that it's nice in the lore when people get representation. So anyone in the any race in the lore can be a space marine. Yeah. Which is kind of contrasting with the whole Women can't, but tabletop gaming is a visual medium, hmm. so you really need to have that expressed in the models themselves if you want to have inclusion in terms of other cultures and races. Yeah, one
0: of the one of the things that makes 40k interesting, you know, because I've played other uh, war games before. I've played a uh, War Machine. I've played uh, War Master. By the way, I'm really into War Master. Ten miniature, ten millimeter, millimeter uh, war gaming. That's my new jam. <laughs> but um you know because the model uh, there's a you know a quick aside here but there's a a place that i i'm trying to get some miniatures from excellent miniatures they have high elven models that are just really nice and also you have a visual uh, representation you know there are male and female elves in the spear line which is what is you know kind of represented Or and that's just like huh, i never actually saw that when i was you know playing warhammer but you know i digress it well, no,
1: it's good to know. It's I might I might raid them for some
0: bits that I can use. It's 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 very it's ten millimeter uh, in scale, so it's a lot smaller than you might be oh, used to no, working with. Uh, but I like it because I like having big armies, and they're much cheaper than regular twenty-eight millimeter miniatures are. Um, oh. But anyway, I, I I I get sidetracked. The point I was making is that the whole point about Warhammer, the whole reason why it's constructed the way that it is, is so that you can have your guys on the table the point of 40k being this big expansive universe is that in whatever corner of the galaxy there's your guys the people that you want to play with the people that have your story your space marine legion your imperial guard regiment your xenos uh you know faction they're there and big and and it's contradictory in a way because on the one hand the games workshop tells you you can represent your character your general is you know your big uh, miniature on the tabletop but then if you're someone who deviates from what the game gives you you have to go out of your way to feel as if you were on the table you know you have to go out of your way to it's very true fandom and the
1: fans do not like you going away from (laughs) deviating too much in specific ways though which i think is interesting because uh if i made a celestial lion's kitbash right with some african visual language involved they would be like oh okay that's cool or again the tal marines mostly i got comments about how that's cool but those don't challenge the reactionary fans in the way that female space marines do because those you know it's a boys club and there is a strain among a lot of fandoms you can see this a lot with something like Gamergate from a couple of years ago where any attempt to include people of other identities is viewed as an attack on them the fan base is very reactionary what's viewed as an attack on their identity and that identity is a boys club and so it's that classic thing where if you start up to other people it's viewed as an attack on them even though it's it's not like yeah like, women
0: don't have cooties you know <laughs> yeah it. you know you think that for all the talk that these guys do about you know uh wanting to want you know they feel ostracized from society right they feel as if they are you know their interest in 40k makes them a, wee- a weirdo right and maybe to some degree uh it is a little bit weird you know how much they might fixate over it but the point is if Warhammer was more inclusive, if Warhammer was more universal, then you guys would be the cool kids. You would be the cool guys, you know? You, you guys would be the hip ones. But instead, you want to pr- preserve this blanket of safety by smothering yourself in what you know and projecting anything that is different. Um, but that's why it's
1: important to have voices that are more liberal in terms of the hobby. Because I do think there's yeah. a lot of young people in the hobby, a lot of young men who really just need to be exposed a little bit more to other yeah. ideas and are still young enough that they're forming opinions.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it, I, I, I'm not going to profess that I was born like a perfect, you know, uh, socialist or whatever. I, I, I had a, a more of a reactionary phase in my youth, and it was exposure to different ideas and being challenged on my ideas that ultimately made me realize, hey, all of the things that I was thinking is wrong. I need to do better, right? And it, it's true for it's many of these guys. The same way. Yeah, uh, very few of us are lucky enough to be born in a position where we just get it. You know, we have parents that uh, teach us, you know, uh, the right from wrong in a way that is inclusive. About it is
1: that <laughs> much so, I think a one one uh, way I heard of describing it once that I thought was accurate was that. If you're born into, for example, a racist society, your default views will be of that of the society and therefore they will be racist. And you have to do work to undo that yeah. and think about and to kind of move
0: against the stream. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. Um, now, some, so for some people, it's easier than others. You know, if you are an LGBT person, if you're a trans person, you know, you are going to feel very different uh, from cis people and you are going to you know, necessarily feel more of a desire to break away from the conditioning of society, but you know, it's nevertheless a, you know, a universal thing. Uh, a good example of this are you know, ADMEC, uh, the Adeptus uh, Mechanicus. Uh, like, there's a disconnection between how ADMEC are talked about and how they talk about themselves, you know? The ADMEC are always like, the flesh is weak. We, don't, we reject the biological, et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna uh, turn myself into a toaster. And when you think about that, what is it really? They are a genderless society, or at least, you know, they have no need for pronouns. They have no need for, uh, you know, concepts like gender because they are a post-gender society because they're, you know, transhuman, right? An entire society of people dedicated to worship of a machine. And, you know, it turns out machines don't really have a a need for gender. But if you go into a Warhammer community and then say, okay, well, I think, you know, all of the AdMechs should use, you know, maybe they, them pronouns or maybe they should have their own kind of pronoun. Because why would they think about gender in the way that we think about gender? You will get shouted at. You will you will get resistance, and that is just it, it's weird to me. It's a disconnection from you know the lore and how people that's, are interpreting it.
1: Uh, that's actually kind of fascinating. I hadn't thought of that in terms of them and pronouns, but that entirely makes sense and yeah. is consistent with the way <laughs> they, you know they think all flesh is weak. Yeah, um, they, and. Uh, it's interesting, too, because uh, another issue I had, my first conversion uh, video was actually trying to do a tech priestess mm. because I thought, you know, there's... Theoret- okay, so theoretically speaking, all pretty much all ADMEC models could be female under that. You under never know, the, yeah. The ropes. Right. Um, but again, in terms of, I think that's a valid interpretation, but also men and women are built differently, so I thought it would be interesting to have the... Okay, so one of the things I really like about the Admech is the way that their tech priests are kind of hunched and wizened and, like, just, they're, hulks of, or they're uh, husks of their old bodies, right? Yeah. So I thought it'd be cool to have a female version of that. Obviously not, not sexualized, just kind of almost like an old crone or yeah. hag.
0: Something um, you don't yeah, really was... often see. You know, because you get old, is, you get so old men, <laughs> but you don't really get
1: old women. It would be really cool to have, like, an old crone one, and that was nearly impossible to do. Because there are almost no <laughs> models that aren't attractive women. Um, and so I finally am working on one now. I was able to find a Nurgle witch hmm. who's like kind of fat and, and hunched over, and I'm using her as a base. And Ooh, it's, that's it's turning out really cool. And um, but it's yeah, it's interesting because it's something where they make are one way in the lore, and then they're not necessarily represented that way on the tabletop. And then if you try to Bring into your representation of them, you are very much attacked. Hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think uniquely, it's kind of an issue for the Imperium because you know if you run down the list of, of the factions in in, in Warhammer 40k uh, recently, you know you've got the Necrons, but they are a mechanical species. Uh, they don't they don't have they don't have biological you know uh, sort of markers that you know could really be used to differentiate. I mean, sure, many of the Necron models are coded male. That is, you know, certainly a problem, but it's di- very difficult to tell one Necron from another, really, you know, because that's kind of the point—they are mechanized, and and you know, like that. Then you've got Eldar; the, both kinds of Eldar are surprisingly, you know, gender representative. Granted, you know, many of the the female uh, Dark Eldar are wearing like metal bikinis, but uh, there are many models yeah. that <laughs> there are many models that aren't, you know, doing that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, interestingly for the Eldar, you know, I've often seen it, I've often heard it described that a, a male uh, uh, um, Eldar can, you know, join, like, for example, the Banshees. And then while they are a Banshee, they assume the female aspect. So it's clear that in their society, they've kind of moved away from gender, you know, as a strict de- de- determinant um and, you know, it's represented fairly well. You've got a good mix of units that are male and female and not overly sexualized, although, you know, there is a little bit of it. I, I think that's kind of baked into the entire system.
1: Uh, yeah, it's very much
0: that 70s, 80s
1: yeah. kind of tabletop miniature that just hasn't gone away where women are in male bikinis yeah, a lot. It,
0: and then, you know, you've got orcs. The orcs are, again, genderless, although they use he, him pronouns often. Maybe that's something that could be addressed. But theoretically.
1: It's funny, because I've heard people argue this, that, like, you know, they're just sentient fungi.
0: Yeah. And that's true.
1: <laughs> but they are so heavily gendered in their representation that, to me, it's almost silly to say that they, they're not male. Yeah. Because they are all referred to, yeah, with he, him pronouns. They have the very um, cisgendered body type of a male. And no one treats them as genderless. They're very clearly an all-male race. Yeah,
0: Even if they, <laughs>
1: and they, they aren't.
0: Yeah, and they embody a kind of masculine ideal, you know, about ultra violence and very you know, much so. And you know, it's very difficult to look at them and go, "Okay, well, do orcs not have orc pronouns, or what? You know, what's going on there?" But then, you know, to, to step away, I mean, you've got chaos, and chaos is well, chaos is kind of a mess. <laughs> many, many of the problems that uh, space marines have, the chaos space marines have, in abundance because they are, you know, the same in a way. But then you, but then you have like you uh, races like um, you know the Tyranids, where the Tyranids have no concept of personality. There are no individuals in that species, just teeth. <laughs> so you know you can get away with that. Um, you know we talked about the admec. The the idea that I like, the one that I'm very curious about, is tau because you know recently I'm not sure if you noticed this, but some of the tau models are supposed to be female like the tau heads are different to the male male heads they have a different facial structure um like a different nose configuration or something like that and that's meant to be oh you know there are female and male tau in the fire cost in the engineering cost etc etc and that kind of evens it out because they're you know not like us so they don't have as many visual markers uh but they do have you know distinctly heads that are just included in the base sprue oh this is a male head this is a female head you know yeah so it's um it's a weird it's a you know it's a weird problem because ultimately you you and i we can have this actually admittedly very nice conversation about you know different parts about Thor. i you know i we we can circle the wagon of arguments you know we can say well fabius file could do it you know why can't you know the imperium oh uh Maybe they should have done the Primaris Marines differently. Oh, maybe we should have more models that, you know, maybe we shouldn't have just one female faction, you know, for the Imperium. Because they are going to be the one that is most familiar to players, right, Uh, for a number of different reasons. And we can have these arguments, right? But ultimately, it puts us in a very difficult position because many of the people who need to hear these arguments are not going to hear them <laughs> shout out to any games workshop employees who are listening to this podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but you know how this is the so this is why i think your channel is particularly a good thing right because you in in making that female space marine in deciding I, you know, you upfront, you said it, I don't really care what the lore says. I want to use the design language of Warhammer 40k. And I want to do something that just is different. And I feel like if you continue to do these things, if you continue to push these kinds of boundaries, you can really, you know, open people's eyes. Uh, you know, that that's just sort of my feeling. Do you do you feel the same? Um, I really do. I feel like
1: especially after getting so much hate on that video. Well, not I got some hate. A lot of people were just disagreeing. Mm. I feel like, um, I'm actually probably going to push forward more with these <laughs> kinds of because things because I think it's important to open people's minds. And, you know, again, this is a hobby that should be large and sprawling and open for everyone. Yeah. Um, th- and this... I really, I really like the, the world and I think more people
0: should be able to be included in it. Yeah. You know, the thing is a lot of people, uh, on the other side of this conversation, they have this idea that what we want is we want to destroy 4Dk. No, that's not. That's absolutely not the, the reason why we're having this conversation. What we want to do is make 4Dk more popular. We want more people to be interested in it. We want more people to be having conversations about it because, a, I want more people to play against, <laughs> and uh, and b, mm-hmm. when you have more people having the conversation, it can go you know many many more places. We can have people who are writing stories. That really you know a broaden the horizons of what 40k is but b also make us question it make us think about it more you know because i don't just play 40k because i you know have murder fantasies <laughs> i don't <laughs> um, but i, I <laughs> well you know that's what this, this will go down as, as evidence at the trial <laughs> so uh, we'll cut this part out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oops, cut it cut it um but you know, I I play 40K because I am fascinated by these questions that it it makes me want to ask, you know, can human society exist on the scale that it does? Do we have to sacrifice what makes us good, you know, for survival? How should we feel about, you know, other people? How should we feel about other races? How should we feel about ourselves, you know? And 40K is a great setting to explore these ideas and concepts because A, it's fake, (laughs) and, and B, it's just, You know, I I hate to say this, but it's very beautiful. The aesthetics of Warhammer 40k are. Let me let me tell you something. One of the first models that I genuinely fell in love with was one of the Sisters of Battle, and this is gonna sound weird, but one of their early Exorcist tanks. Now, uh, for for modern uh, listeners, you you won't know this because the Exorcist tank has kind of evolved and changed, and you know, in my opinion, for the worst. But initially, it was a tank, a rhino, but on top of it is a organ, (laughs) and. Uh, a Sister of Battle has to sit at the organ and play it to shoot rockets (laughs) from the organ itself. And I thought, that's amazing. (laughs) There's no other setting where I could get, like, here's a science fiction tank, but here's an organ that shoots rockets. And I just thought to myself, that is a really interesting model. And then when I started to look more into the Sisters of Battle, that's when I realized, oh, okay, so that's that's not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. But you 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 see what I'm saying here, you know there there is potential here for this to really be for everyone and for everyone in a way I really that I think. That model 2. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: it's a great model.
0: Yeah, it's a great model. Uh, there are actually genuinely uh, you know particularly interesting models. Um, one of the models that I really really like that's recent is the uh, Inquisitor Kyrias Kyrias model. I- I'm sure you've seen it. It's she's the Ordo Xenos one and. Uh, she wears black power armor that has like a, an alien skull, and she has Eldar weaponry, and she's got a little dragon. I think it's really cool. It's a really cool. Yes, model. I've
1: seen that one. I love that one.
0: Yeah, I love it too. I, uh, I
1: really
0: love that one. I, I, I want to buy one just because I think it's such an interesting looking model, because it goes, it, it plays with so many different ideas of what it means to be 40K. You know? Uh, you know, there are people who, you know, vehemently are opposed to the idea that, you know, an Inquisitor could look the way that she does, but she looks interesting. She looks like a, an actual character that has an actual story to tell, you know? Uh she looks more alien than human and yet she's a, a, a alien hunting inquisitor, you know? She wears power armor that kind of looks human and it, you can kind of see some of the design language of the Imperium, but then you look at it a little bit more and it's like is this really human? Did we really make this? And you know she has an LR weapon and it, it it's cool. And I, I wish more of 40K was like that because the more homogenized, the more commodified it becomes you know to sell to its audience of i i hate to say this but you know largely reactionary dude bros the worse it becomes right um yeah very true and i
1: think it's it's something that early warhammer really embraced it, that those early rope trigger days yeah like, weird looking <laughs> models and yeah it's, it's interesting because a lot of converters like going back to those um that concept art they had back then, and trying to mimic them. Yeah, there's like a, the... a movement called Blanchitsu. That's about <laughs> a specific uh, artist called, I think, Blanchitsu. <laughs> I don't remember his name exactly, <laughs> but um, trying to mimic his really weird-looking uh, concept art
0: in the actual models themselves. Yeah, you know, I I like that early period of stuff so much that I, I've got a project going on, uh, like my own project. I'm I'm making some rules for a game I'm calling Techno Barbarians, and the whole idea is to. Really play with the idea that the early period of you know human hum, humans uh, humanity's history in the 40k uh, world, where before we were all united into the Imperium, is a very disparate and very interesting you know design language. You've got people that could be you know Mad Max style barbarians next to people that could you know be wearing glittering uh, you know armor and you know uh, look kind of you know a lot like Space Marines, but maybe they are robots or maybe there are, you know, some other weird experiment. And it's just, I think there's a lot of potential there, uh, but we are uh, running out of time. Uh, let me say that you are definitely one of uh, my most interesting guests. Um, I would love to have you on, you know, to, to continue these conversations <laughs> because uh, A, it's very rare to find someone who is, you know, fairly left-leaning in the community. And it's also rare to find someone who's very talented uh, <laughs> in, in doing what you do and making uh, sort of these kit patches. Um, w- uh do you would you would you like to Let's plug anything sometime i think it's so valuable what you're doing oh thank you thank you well, i you i i try. channel
1: uh,
0: i will include a link to um the channel in the description of the video Definitely.
1: Um, if you want to check out the conversions, come take a look at those. I will be doing at some point more female space marines, so uh, you can come and view the controversy in the comments. Um,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> if uh, if I can uh, you know if I can plug a suggestion, uh, I would really like to see uh, like some Middle Eastern or maybe like Indo Persian, uh, maybe like a space marine or an imperial guardsman, because I think. Uh, there are some like Talar and you know desert raiders, but I really like to see like a lot of that, especially you know for like the White Scars, because some of their uh, language and stuff like that is you know Eastern, but it's like a homogenized you know version of the East. But uh, yeah, uh, please um, please check out Gitbosh. great channel, even better uh, uh, Kit Bashes. Um You can find uh, uh, bite Marks you know on Spotify, uh, probably wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube. Like like the video, you know comment. Maybe tell us what your favorite model is. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can check us out on pa- uh, Patreon, and um, yeah, please uh, look forward to more of these special episodes. Uh, we will definitely be having uh, Kitbash on uh, some other time. Uh, any last words? Nope, just thank you for having me on. It was uh, this was a blast. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, thank you. Uh,
1: good night, everyone. Uh, be well.